This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, does Dave doesn't know what it wants to do out there today. Just looking out across Ken Mount Road, it looks like it's sunny, but the clouds in the sky are still black. Anyway, it's kind of an ominous day here on the east coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. And a little bit of that fallish feeling. We had a lovely day uh, yesterday, but um, soon enough we'll see those leaves starting to turn. No doubt it's already starting to turn in many parts of the province. Well... The Employers' Council of Newfoundland and Labrador has a new executive director. Jacqueline Sullivan was named to the business organization's top position earlier this month after 14 years as manager of public relations and strategy. She takes over at the helm at a critical time for the business community on the heels of an economically devastating pandemic and a time of fiscal restraint and challenges related to labor and the skyrocketing cost of living. Well, uh, Jacqueline Sullivan is no shrinking violet. She's used to a few challenges. She joins me now. Hello. Hi, Linda. How are you? Great. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. So I guess we'll go into a little bit of history. How did you uh, how'd you get involved with the Employers' Council and, and advocating for local business? Yeah, um, it's interesting, actually, because I was recruited home. So I, like many Newfoundlanders of my um, age, I guess, uh, left home after university to seek economic and job opportunities elsewhere. I was living in Toronto. Um, and it was around 2008 when things were starting to pick up here in, in the province. And I was looking, you know, for jobs. And uh, the Employers' Council actually uh, relocated me back to Newfoundland. And I never thought that 14 years later, here is where I would be. Uh, but here I am. And I'm really excited, you know, because I'm really passionate about a bright economic for future for Newfoundland and Labrador and ensuring that other people, you know, don't have to make those same decisions. Uh, so it's a really great place and, and sort of, you know, ironic place to find myself. Well, indeed. Uh, and was it just the, the business opportunity that brought you back or those intangibles we like to know, uh, as most Newfoundlanders and Labradorians know? Oh, yeah, we all know, right? It's, the, it's, it's home, right? You can't... You can't you can't break that lure of home for, for a Newfoundlander. So, um, yeah, no, it was definitely it was definitely that friends, family, support network, all those great things. Um, but then coming back here at a time that was really exciting. You know, uh, luckily, a lot of my peers came back around that same time as well. Um, you know, and, and then getting involved in this organization and the work that we do um, has been has been really exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to taking the next step um, here as I step into this role. So it's nothing new to you. 14 years. But over those 14 years, I'm sure there were uh, thoughts and uh, directions that you would have like to seen the organization take and now you're in that role and you can set that direction what what are some of your priorities yeah, I mean, my number one priority, like I said, is I'm passionate about creating a bright future for Newfoundland and Labrador. So it's it's really inspiring to me when I work with our members, like I have for the last 14 years, to see, you know, how invested they are in the future of our province. Um, so they're senior business leaders, but they're residents first. And they care about the future of Newfoundland and Labrador, not just for themselves and their businesses, but for their families and the employees that work for them. And I think, you know, it's important to me that the public understands that as an organization, our mandate is to increase economic growth and prosperity 
prosperity for all citizens. Um, you know, that's the type of policy issues that we like to take on or that we do take on. Um, and businesses join our organization because they believe in that and they want to see that too. Um, so it's important for me that people understand that when we talk about, you know, success in the business community or creating public policy that's competitive, that allows businesses to grow and thrive, what we're talking about um, is, is economic growth and prosperity for everyone because business success means more jobs. Business success means um, a growing economy, a thriving economy, you know, services available in our communities, um, you know, services that people want and need, um, and it means growing our collective resources. So I'm really excited about sharing that message with the public and about, you know, talking about how we can improve that in Newfoundland and Labrador. What's the general feeling like now in the business community? Because, I mean, if you're a business leader or a business owner, you're, you, by nature, you have to be energetic, you have to be creative, you have to be able to pivot, and heaven knows we've all had to do that in the last little while. But after a while, it starts to get a little bit grinding, and it's all on your shoulders. What, how, are, how are people feeling? A lot of people are still struggling, for sure. Um, there's definitely a lot of still, you know, frustration. I mean, the pandemic was, was very difficult, and I think it's, you know, not every sector was hit in the same in the same way, um, and you know some some industries were hit harder than others in terms of shutdowns, you know, and interruptions in operations. Um, some business owners, you know, unfortunately, the sectors that were hardest hit are probably those smaller businesses um, that provide the services in our communities that we all love, like restaurants, you know, uh, retail, that kind of thing. You know, those businesses were really hard hit, and and you know they um, incurred a lot of debt. Um, some some business owners took on personal debt during the pandemic. You know, they didn't take a salary themselves. So on top of the business debt, you know, but they wanted to maintain their operations. They wanted to continue to provide those services to the community. They wanted to continue to employ people, um, you know, and they haven't, those businesses, they haven't recovered from the pandemic. And it's going to take take quite a while. I think small businesses are something like 50% are still not back to pre-pandemic sales. The restaurant industry, you know, 50% of table services, restaurants across the country um, are, you know, at marginally, um, you know, profitable um, and, and are at risk. Um, so it's certainly, you know, still a challenge. And then you add on top of that, you know, the inflation, uh, rising costs, gas prices, um, transportation costs are really high, supply chain issues. So it's expensive to get things into Newfoundland and Labrador, and now it's hard to get those things. Um, there's a ton of challenges facing all levels of businesses, not just the small businesses. Um, so, you know, it is it is a challenging time for sure. When you run a business, you have to be uh, uh, ready for any eventuality. But uh, how do you prepare for a pandemic and all of these, um, you know, the, the exodus? of workers from certain businesses and uh, difficulty in finding labor and um, COVID restrictions and all of these things are, are things that, you know, ostensibly you should be planning for, but who could see it coming? Yeah, I think the labor market stuff we knew was coming. You know, we've been talking about the demographic challenges in Newfoundland and Labrador for decades, right? I don't think we acted fast enough as a province to address it. Um, immigration, you know, should have been a priority a long time ago. Um, and it's only more in more recent years that we've really stepped up, you know, that the province has really stepped up to the plate to support um, increasing immigration and growing our population. Um, you know, that's really positive to see. Um, and we've seen some really great movement um, in the last couple of years, but there's still a lot of challenges with our immigration system. Um, you know, we also have, um, you know, the issue of, of like you said, um, people sort of changing jobs, you know, um, you know, and some of that stuff was exacerbated by COVID. So while we knew demographic, um, you know, changes were on the horizon, maybe more team people retired during COVID or faster than we would have expected. Um, people changed careers, um, you know, left I industries that were shuttered for really long periods of time just because of, of the volatility of the work. Um, and now those industries are struggling to get people back. I don't think we could have prepared for that. Um, we're in a really, really 
really changing time, both in the nature of work, you know, the type of industries, the work of the future, the industries of the future, and, and we've got to do some adjusting and figuring out how to best deal with that. It's a really a revolutionary time. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yep. And, you know, we do have bright spots on the horizon as well. Like, you know, the future of work is going to look different. I think we're going to need different skills. We're going to need, um, you know, different industries, I think, are, are, are going to grow and, and become more successful. The tech sector, you know, um, green energy, some of these other sectors that we're looking forward to. Um, you know, we need, but we need to make sure that we're prepared to really take advantage of those opportunities. And some of the challenges that we're still facing, um, you know, concern me in terms of our capacity to do that. Our guest today on On Target is the Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, Jacqueline Sullivan. We'll be back right after this. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. And we're back. Our guest today on On Target is the Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, Jacqueline Sullivan. And, oh my goodness, where do we start? So many things have changed over the last little while. And I'm thinking in terms of inflation rates. Um, the Bank of Canada recently increased its inflation rate yet again. We expect more increases over the next little while to try to, to knock down um, inflation. I mean, how are businesses coping? How are employers managing? Yeah, it's really challenging. I mean, you know, businesses have to um, stay profitable in order to be in operation, obviously. Um, you know, and, and costs in every area are increasing. So, you know, when you have inflation like we have, um, and it's, it's, you know, not something that was planned for, um, that cuts out other areas that you're able to, to spend on in order to maintain your profit margins. Um, you know, certain industries are, are doing better than others in terms of COVID recovery. Um, but you add to that these massive labor market challenges that we have, which are really constraining. Um, and, you know, that that is the thing I think that makes it most frustrating is that the ability to grow from a revenue perspective is really constrained by your inability, you know, to find people to fill job vacancies. And, and that's something that I think is, is incredibly urgent um, and really needs to be addressed. What could be done to ease that process? I mean, I, I've talked to numerous uh, people about this. We're, we're looking at uh, Ukrainians who have come over here who are licensed physicians, can't get a job. Yeah. Uh, people who have been working in the childcare industry for years in their home countries, Ukraine in particular, can't get a job. What are some of these barriers? How can we help integrate people coming into this province into the workforce? Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, I mean, the issues that you're raising really have to do with credential recognition, um, and that's something that's that's done by the federal government. Um, we definitely need improvements on that. We need to make sure that we're recognizing credentials from other jurisdictions better than we are now. Um, you know, the other issue that we have is processing times for work permits and applications. Um, you know, you mentioned the Ukrainian uh, refugees that have come to the country. You know, uh, government was able to respond pretty quickly in that crisis situation, but on a regular basis, you know, applications um, to get into um, Canada from immigrants, whether it's, you know, employers who are desperately looking for people and who find people and want to bring them in, or it's, you know, immigrants who um, are really interested in coming to Canada to pursue opportunity. Um, you know, those applications right now um, are all processed pre predominantly by the federal government. So despite the fact that our province has devoted a significant amount of resources in trying to improve our immigration process to increase our immigration targets, there's a real bottleneck at the federal level. Um, there's a massive backlog.
backlog of applications. It can take up to two years to process an application um, for immigration, and that's the service standard. That doesn't even account for, you know, the, the, the other half of a year that goes on top of that because now we have this massive backlog because of COVID-19. Um, and it's really just not good enough. Um, I really don't think the federal government understands the urgency of the situation in Newfoundland and Labrador and in the Atlantic provinces um, particularly, um, and, you know, it needs to be addressed. So how can we move this process along? I mean, they, they just announced hiring more people. Is that what it will take, or, or do we need to streamline some of these processes? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely um, the latter. I mean, the the hiring of more people, the more the more resources towards the department. You know, the, they're looking at improving some technological systems. You know, all of that um, is good. It will help. It's it's a little bit of too little, too late. And there's a bit of um, you know a lack of trust in the I guess uh, you know uh, from from employers um, in terms of will the federal government actually be able to achieve you know improving targets because their service standards are already so. Um, you know, even even getting back to regular service standards, the process was still too onerous. And it's not just the length of time, it's also the responsiveness. Um, so, you know, if people have questions, um, it's very difficult to reach IRCC officers um, to get any answers about the application and where it stands. You know, it's not designed to be a facilitative, supportive, you know, system. Um, and I've talked to some people who talked about, well, it's designed for, you know, being a backstop in places like Toronto, where, you know, there's way more applications than they're ever going to have, you know, um, the ability to to bring people in, you know, whereas in the Atlantic provinces, we're in a different um, situation, you know, where we have a province that's trying to facilitate, you know, getting more people in as fast as we can. And then we have this massive bottleneck in the way the federal system is, is designed. So, you know, I know um, some of the talk that I've heard recently is, is you know, that it's, it could be more of a management system issue, that perhaps moving some of this processing, uh, more of this processing to the provinces would be a good idea. Um, you know, I, I recently spoke to, um, you know, someone in the immigration department uh, who told me that it takes the province 24 days. The applications that they process uh, for our provincial nominee program takes 24 days. And, you know, the federal processing time is 24 months. Uh, so there's a disconnect there for sure. Um, and, and you know, um, if that's the right solution, then, then you know, we're going to pursue it. And uh, we've been, you know, relying very uh, heavily these days on temporary foreign workers. How can we make things easier for them and especially those who want to stay? Yeah, I mean, it's the same It's the same thing. So whether you're in Canada or you're out of Canada, you know, if you want to become a permanent resident, um, you've got to go through that application process. So, you know, it's really the same issue. It's ensuring that that process makes um, – is, is efficient and effective and, and responsive um, because there are people who go through life changes, you know, so you might have a job lined up, um, you know, you're here on a temporary foreign uh, work permit, you know, you, you want to stay permanently, the employer wants you to stay, but processing that application is a barrier. Um, so, you know, it, it really comes down to the, to the same issue of getting um, these things moved through faster and a system that is, is more responsive. And, you know, the onus is really on the, on the feds to, to kind of figure out a better way, <laughs> I think, um, you know, to, to fix that problem because the province has really stepped up. Um, but, you know, I think um, it might need a different model in, in Atlantic Canada. Even before COVID, I've known of cases where uh, people have had uh, visas and have had to go back uh, just because the paperwork wasn't done mm-hmm. in time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's shocking. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Anyone I know who's dealt with the system has talked about how frustrating it was, you know. And we did a long lobby of the province to address, you know, their side of the issue because they're the more front-facing people uh, in the system, you know. And, and they really did resolve a lot of our concerns. They've got navigators in place. They've got um, a lot of resources there to help support and facilitate. They're trying to do more outreach. Um, but they can only do so much if they don't have the, the collaboration with the federal government. And, you know, I think they're trying. Don't get me wrong. But they've just got so many other priorities. And I, I don't think just throwing more money and, and you know, recruitment at the 
the situation is going to solve it. I think it's really a system issue. And are we having any difficulty attracting people here? I mean, I know we've seen influxes of refugees in recent. That's a whole different uh, situation. These are people who are desperately trying to get out of horrible situations. And we're here with our arms open saying, come on, we'll take you. Absolutely. Um, But what about the overall immigration process? Are we attracting enough people? I think we're doing better. Um, you know, I think there's been something like 4,000 new people added to the province this year or something like that. That's that's great, right? Uh, I think we're doing better than we have been. Um, you know, there's always room for improvement, I think, in that area. Um, I think, you know, um, we didn't cast a wide enough net for a very long time. Um, and I think, you know, 5,000 as our current target, um, it could be higher. You know, our population challenge is, is quite significant and our labor market shortage is quite significant. Um, you know, and I think if we have, um, you know, a, a, a broader... Um, you know, um, more diverse, um, you know, working age population that's available and and skilled and and ready to work, you know, our our opportunity from an economic perspective um, is going to be so much better. How do things like childcare affect um, whether or not a person wants to settle here? Uh, We've been talking a lot about childcare in the last little while. Is, Is that a factor as well? Yeah, definitely. It's interesting you raise that because it's something that's kind of come up a bit recently, um, you know, with our members. Um, you know, childcare is a huge issue, um, and it's something that, you know, we feel um, needs to be addressed in order to address labor force challenges. You know, it's it's a huge barrier to employment for some people, the availability of childcare spaces. I mean, government's done a lot of work on cost, um, but the real issue is availability. Um, and, you know, some of the, unfortunately, some of the attempts to alleviate pressures through cost have created even more challenges on the availability front. Right. Um, So, you know, I think we need to be really focused on trying to address um, some of these barriers to employment um, and ensuring that our systems like systems like EI and workers compensation and all the other social safety nets that we have in place are aligned with um, our current needs for, you know, um, growing our workforce, um, you know, and ensuring that they're facilitating connections between people who have uh, an interest in working or are available to work or, you know, are currently not working um, and jobs that are available in the labor market, because there is a bit of a disconnect there, too. Um, in terms of skills, in terms of desirability, whatever the reasons are, you know, barriers to work that that need to be addressed. Um, But we really need to make sure that our programs are focused on facilitating those connections as best we can. There are some other pressures, of course, economic pressures that are facing uh, employers uh, in the province. And minimum wage is one of them. And and this new added sugar tax, which uh, we've had some conversations about in recent days. I want to ask you about those items when we come back after the break. Our guest today on On Target is the executive director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, Jacqueline Sullivan. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Our guest today on On Target is Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, Jacqueline Sullivan. And uh, Jacqueline, you know more than uh, most people. October 1st, of course, we'll see another 50 cent increase in the minimum wage here in Newfoundland and Labrador. That will bring it to 13.70 and another increase uh, due April the 1st. It's all part of a step process, of course, bringing minimum wage to $15 an hour by this time next year. Some advocates saying uh, it, it needs to be a little bit faster than that and they need to do better than that now with inflation. Are, are you satisfied the, with the way in which it is being introduced? 
Um, you know, it's it's a difficult thing for for business to to deal with. You know, a minimum wage is a tough issue. I mean, it's everyone wants to make more money. Obviously, it's a hard issue to speak about publicly. You know, it's a very misunderstood policy. Um, you know, uh, minimum wage is, was never intended to be. You know, the 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 living wage. It's it's not what the average weekly wage is in Newfoundland and Labrador. We have amongst some of the highest average wages in the in the country. Um, so the two don't necessarily correlate. Um, you know, uh, it is important to ensure that it's indexed to inflation and that it increases, you know, as um, inflation does. Um, but that's not what we're doing here. You know, what we're doing is increasing it sort of to a political arbitrary um, standard um, that was chosen because, you know, across the country there's this desire or, or um, you know, lobby for, for parity. Um, you know, I, I disagree with that principle. I think that, you know, you can't look at minimum wage in isolation uh, of what's going on in the rest of the province and in the rest of our economy and the rest of our regulations and labor standards and, and policies that employers adhere to here in this province. Um, and we have some, you know, significant challenges from a business perspective. Business is struggling right now just like everybody is with inflation. So not every business has the same ability um, to absorb a, a 50 cent increase in, you know, per, per hour, per employee um, labor cost. Um, um, you know, at a time when all other costs are increasing. So it does create a disadvantage to certain businesses, you know, to the businesses that are struggling the most, who are most marginal. Um, and it's it's not because they don't want to pay their employees more. If they could, they would. That's the thing I, that's, that's the piece I think gets uh, missed from a lot of this dialogue is, is this perception that it's a, it's a will. It, it's not a will, right? Some, some of these businesses, like I said earlier, are operating right now in, in very marginal uh, spaces. Um, you know, I think we want these businesses to survive. We want these businesses to thrive. Um, we want fair wages as well. So it's finding the right balance and ensuring that, you know, if we're going to introduce uh, minimum wage um, increases, that we put enough relief in place in other areas, perhaps in taxation, perhaps in workers' compensation premiums, something to alleviate the high transportation costs that businesses in Newfoundland and Labrador face or utility costs, you know, that other businesses that are similar in other jurisdictions don't pay the same amount. Um, so we're just looking for a balance in, in providing some relief for the businesses that are struggling right now as well. Uh, workers' comp, of course, another important issue that uh, the Employers' Council has raised uh, repeatedly over the years. Uh, uh, where are you with, with that, and what are some of the stresses and strains caused by that system? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're um, continuing to work very closely with the workers' compensation um, system. You know, um, we have a strong connection to workers' compensation. Um, you know, a lot of people probably aren't aware that we have, you know, the ability to, um, you know, appoint someone to the board to represent employers, and we're the key employer stakeholder in that system. So we, we do work on a lot of issues related to workers' compensation. Um, you know, it's a very important system. Um, you know, businesses want uh, healthy, safe workplaces. Um, obviously, you know, I think that goes without saying. Um, we want to ensure that system is well-funded. We want to ensure that it's sustainable and that it has the resources that it needs to provide benefits to injured workers who were injured through no fault of their own. You know, that's that's an absolute without saying that we believe in that. Um, you know, I think right now is not a time to take more money from businesses than is necessary to fund that system. And it is very well funded right now, and it has been for a while. There's been a lot of increases in benefits over the course of the last couple years um, that have increased costs to the system. Um, we have had a statutory review report. Um, there was a consultation on it. You know, the report came out. Government is probably going to be releasing their recommendations from that report in the fall. Um, you know, we're just really hoping and watching to ensure that they don't do anything that increases the cost of that system unnecessarily um, and that they don't do anything that jeopardizes employers, increases costs to employers. And if they can, because the system is well-funded, maybe that's an area where we can get some relief. Um, so just watching that really closely to see where it comes out. 
I was speaking with a, the husband of a business owner in Corner Brook yesterday. We aired the interview this morning, and he was outlining some of the difficulties that uh, his wife's business is facing with the new sugar tax. She runs a restaurant, uh, um, uh, you know, pop or, or sweet drinks or just one item on a on a menu. Uh, she doesn't have, uh, you know, an accountant to do this work for her. She's got to calculate this every day, um, make sure it's all properly recorded and and remitted what do you make of the of the sugar tax and its impact on on businesses yeah i mean i think what you're describing there that that administrative burden on businesses um is is one example i think of how perhaps government doesn't consider um how business friendly their policies are or how how difficult running a business is when they roll out these types of policies um you know it's not just that one tax there's a there's a lot of things within government um you know businesses have to adhere to a lot of um different government policies regulations you know taxes different things um obviously that's great they should um, but we'd like to be able to make those as as easy to manage as possible to ensure that business owners and business um, you know uh, businesses are able to focus their time on growing their business and being successful and not you know administrative burdens and red tape coming from government and you know I think it would be very helpful to the businesses in this province if our provincial government um, you know took a little bit more of, a, of an interest or a focus in you know ensuring business success even just at that level even just at the level of you know we talk a lot about costs we talk a lot about all these big things, but even just at the level of ensuring, um, you know, our policies and our regulations and the things that businesses have to adhere to um, are responsive, that there's support there, that communication is is out to employers in a timely basis, that they know what they have to do, and that there's a recognition that a large number of employers in Newfoundland and Labrador are small. They don't have a big staff that can help them with these things. They might not be able to afford an accountant, you know, so let's try to work with them and collaborate and make these rollout of these kinds of things as as smooth as possible. Was there enough consultation prior to the implementation of this new tax? Um, you know, to be honest, Linda, I really, I really can't speak to that. Um, you know, I think um, every government consults all the time. There's so many consultations. It's hard to keep track of them all. You know, I think they made a decision on what they felt was, a, you know, something that sends the right message and is, is, has, a, has a good intent. I support the intent behind the principle of, you know, improving the health of our, of our province. I mean, I think that there's a, uh, um, a need to do that, right? And it was a recommendation from the Health Accord. So I understand why they've done it. I'm not sure it's the most effective or efficient way to do that or if it's broad enough to actually achieve that. Um, and it is a burden. It's a burden for business. It's a burden for citizens. Um, you know, so it remains to be seen um, whether or not it was it was the right decision. But it does go along with their, you know, their vision. Um, and, and from a health perspective, I support it. I just think that um, perhaps from an um, implementation perspective, from is it the right choice of the best way to get at this issue, you know, there could have been other alternatives. Was there a better way to administer it rather than leaving the burden on businesses? Um... I mean, we're the first province to roll out attacks like this, so I'm really not sure, you know. I think it remains to be seen. Um, we're seeing um, continued uh, interest rates and, and these efforts by the Bank of Canada to increase interest uh, rates to slow inflation. What kind of an impact is that having directly on businesses? Um, you know, uh, like I said, it's it's just another thing on top of everything else, right? You know, um, I think that um, it's a combination of it all coming at the same time. That's really the biggest challenge that business is facing right now. So, you know, maybe you can handle one thing, right? But to have, you know, four or five different, um, you know, things all coming at once. Um, you know, the other thing that you need to recognize is that with the global economic, um, um, you know, challenges that we're facing, with the changes that we're facing in terms of having a global pandemic and then a war 
war in Ukraine and then, um, you know, the global economic impact of those things, um, you know, a lot has changed, right? And it's, it's probably going to be things that change, you know, for the longer term in some ways, you know, it's going to be a while at least um, before we see, you know, um, things going back to the way they were prior. Um, so there's a lot of adjustment that needs to be made. Um, and, you know, it, I think the, the biggest thing right now is just recognition um, from all levels of government and from the people of the province, you know, that businesses are also struggling with these things, just like you are. Our guest today on On Target is the Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, Jacqueline Sullivan. And when we come back, Jacqueline, I'm going to ask you what kind of things governments can do to help ease some of the pressure on employers in the province and keep that economy chugging along when we come back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. And our guest today is the Executive Director of the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, Jacqueline Sullivan. And Jacqueline, off the top, you indicated that uh, your, your goal here is to ensure that uh, the local economy has a, has a bright future and that businesses are able to thrive and the people of Newfoundland and Labrador are able to thrive. What can government do to ease some of the pressure on businesses and keep that economy going? Yeah, well, one of the other big things that we haven't talked about yet that we've been monitoring for a really long time and speaking about for a really long time is our province's fiscal situation. So, you know, in order to have a growing and thriving economy, you really need a stable fiscal foundation. You know, investors want to see that um, business, you know, the, the government of the day is able to, you know, manage its finances well. They want to see that programs and services are being adequately provided to people in the province, but in an effective and efficient way, you know, and, and people, right, who want to move to the province want to see that as well. Um, And, you know, it's important um, that, you know, we get a handle on our debt. You know, we currently have still about a billion dollars of our our spending every year goes towards debt. Um, You know, we're going to continue to monitor um, the fiscal situation. We've seen some really good um, things come out of this current government in terms of plans to address it. You know, things, recommendations from the health care accord, for example. They got some great recommendations on ways to modernize health care delivery, reallocate resources in a way that matches, you know, our current demographic better. Um, you know, there's also um, some, some pieces of legislation that are going to be debated in the House of Assembly this fall, uh, balanced budget legislation and the future fund um, that, that I feel could be really important if they're, if they're done well uh, to increase accountability for responsible, you know, spending and fiscal management, and not just for this government, but future governments to come. Um, and I think those things are really important to see action on. You know, the government has come out with a lot of great plans and recommendations, um, but a lot of these bigger things are, still haven't been actioned. Um, so we're going to be really pushing for movement in some of those areas as well. No doubt it's been a bit of a whirlwind since you took on the new role, but have you had a chance to to meet or touch base with uh, anyone in government to say, hey, this is, this is what we're looking at, let's have a chat? Yeah, absolutely. No, we stay connected to government all the time, meeting with ministers, the premier's office, et cetera. You know, I think uh, we've got a great working relationship with this government. I'm, I'm pleased with their, their direction. But like I said, I think businesses really want to see um, more action in some of these big picture areas because, you know, in order to address some of these challenges, um, right now we're sort of just, you know, particularly from a fiscal situation and program and service delivery, we're doing a lot of putting up fires. We're doing a lot of crisis management. Um, you know, what we really need is to get at some of these fundamental issues, you know, modernize and restructure services, um, you know, so that so that some of the, that pressure is alleviated. You know, you can't just keep throwing more money at a broken system, right? Um, and that's what we've been doing for a really long time. And, and you know, Minister Cody and the Premier, you know, they've, they've put some good plans in place and they've laid out some good strategies. Um, we just haven't really seen them act- 
sanctioned yet. Um, so we're really going to be watching for that. And, and like I said, that balanced budget legislation and future fund in particular, I think, um, is something that people don't really understand, but that I think if it's done well, you know, could be really meaningful. Is Newfoundland and Labrador business friendly? Um, it depends on who you ask, I guess. Um, it could be better, right? I think, I think from a business community perspective, probably any government could be, could be better. Um, um, you know, and, and I think Newfoundland and Labrador, um, perhaps from what I've heard from other jurisdictions, uh, people who work in jobs like mine in other jurisdictions, you know, we, we come from a, a province that has a, a rich history of, you know, the, the merchant and the fishermen. And, you know, we've got a, a large public service and, and, you know, we're a heavily unionized province. And, you know, I think there is a perception perhaps among some that, that the business community is, is not looked at as friendly as they could be. Um, and that's something I'd really like to change. Like I said off the top, I want to ensure that people understand that, you know, profitable business, businesses um, employ people, they create economic opportunity. You know, they're a positive thing that we want to have in our communities because they provide valuable services. I mean, the purpose of a business is to provide products and services to citizens. It's always designed to meet needs that the market has. So they're providing, you know, valuable products and services and, and you know, encouraging that, encouraging more of that in our province, encouraging more entrepreneurship in our province. These are things that I think are essential to our future economic growth and prosperity um, and that we, you know, probably could do better at. We've seen some uh, pretty significant uh, changes in our in our fishery over the decades, in the oil and gas industry in recent years, uh, and a number of um, I guess resource-based um, industries that we've relied on rather heavily. But these are exciting times. There's some interesting things on the horizon. I was talking to Larry Short not too long ago. He said this is the most optimistic he's felt in a very long time. What what are you thinking as you as you you think towards the future? Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely feel more optimistic now than I did, you know, two years ago, four years ago. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity facing our province right now, particularly in, you know, industries of the future, things like tech, things like um, green energy. You know, it's exciting to see um, our provincial government really take a hold of some of these, um, you know, these new innovative industries and say, yes, we want to be leaders in that. We want to pursue opportunities in that area. You know, things like looking at, okay, Europe's need for green energy and thinking we can be a player on that on that on that front you know i think that's definitely um the right direction for the province to go like i said i'm about a bright future for newfoundland and labrador so we need to be looking 20 years out you know where what are where are the jobs going to be in 20 years where are the business opportunities going to be in 20 years and preparing ourselves now for that my only concern i guess with that is we need to make sure that we have the capacity to fully take advantage of those opportunities so when it comes to issues like our labor market when it comes to issues like ensuring businesses have access to technology um and and you know capital to invest in machinery and equipment to be competitive, ensuring we have competitive public policies um, that allow our businesses here in Newfoundland and Labrador to grow and thrive, um, you know, as well as other jurisdictions, right? Those are things that I think we need to get a handle on now to ensure that we're set up to take advantage of these opportunities that are presenting themselves to us. Do we have a a strong entrepreneurial spirit here? Are we forward-looking enough? And and are the the people who offer those supports forward-looking enough? You're talking about looking, you know, 20, 30, 40 years into the future. Um, are, are the people who are putting the policies in place where business needs them to be? Well, I think, you know, from a government perspective, you know, we all know that it's a political um 
you know, entity, right? So governments operate on a four-year cycle. Um, I think a longer um, forward-looking, you know, um, philosophy within government w- would be great. I do, I do sort of see that in the things that this particular government um, is saying, um, but perhaps not so much in action. That's why things like I think this ballot balance budget legislation and future fund are so important because they take um, some of what government says and, and make them a bit more accountable for it. Um, you know, and it takes some of the politics out of decisions. Same thing with like minimum wage, tying it to an economic indicator was something we had asked for, right? Again, those things, those types of policies take um, the politics out of these decisions. Um, and I think wherever we can do that on an economic policy or, or policy that really has the potential to impact our, our economy, you know, we really should be doing. Um, like the balanced budget legislation, I think people sort of misunderstand and think that it means you bring your budget to zero every year. That's not what it is. It's about putting um, more accountability measures in place so that when government comes out with their long-term forecasts like they do every year saying we're going to balance the budget in four years and here's how we're going to do it, that those targets actually have meaning and they're being held accountable for them. Um, Because right now they come out with those and then the next year they change and then the next year after that they change and the target keeps getting further and further away, right? So there are are simple things that can be done, right, that have been done in other provinces, like putting an independent panel of economists or experts to review those targets in the budget every year, Um, you know, tying in some way incentives within government, uh, ministerial and bureaucratic, um, whether it's through their performance evaluations or their compensation incentives, you know, tying, achieving your your budget targets, um, you know, to something that's holding them accountable, you know, ensuring that we're not spending all of our resource revenue and that we're earmarking some of that to be used to pay down debt or to put in a future fund. Um, These are all things that take politics out of those decisions, governments held to those policies. And I think um, you know, policies like that will be really um, important um, in taking that longer future-looking view in our province. You mentioned it earlier, but uh, red tape reduction, and I know there was a big effort, oh gosh, had to be at least 15, 20 years ago now, to try to reduce uh, red tape in the province. And it seems, though, as though, I mean, I'm hearing it from this different sector saying that, you know, it's starting to creep back in again. How, where are we with our red tape reduction? Is it easier to do business these days? Um, I would say no. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, that's been a really big issue for like CFIB, for example. I know for a very, very long time. Um, it hasn't been as much of an issue for us, I think, publicly. Um, but it's something we hear about from business all the time. And it's certainly something that I think I want to take on a bit more as we move forward. Um, because I do hear a lot um, of, you know, with all these things that are coming out lately, um, you know, there's just a feeling of being burdened. Um, you know, because there's so much going on, you know, led by global forces that we can't control, right? If our government can control making it a little bit easier for business, um, then, you know, if we want a growing and thriving economy, then they really should be doing it, right? And I don't think that there's um, a real recognition of that. I don't think it's malicious. I just think it's really not how the bureaucracy works, and they don't really think about it, right? Um, So calling more attention to that, the need for for streamlining a lot of things um, is definitely something I think I'll be looking at moving forward. Uh, Just about two minutes left. Uh, Give us some of the good news. Um, like you said, you know, I'm very optimistic about the future of, of Newfoundland and Labrador's economy, much more optimistic than I was in the last couple of years. We've got some really um, great potential here in this province from a natural resource perspective, you know, from a human capital perspective, um, you know, and it's a, it's a great place to live, right? So, you know, attracting more people to live here, ensuring we have the right skills in the labor force that we do have here, um, and taking advantage of these economic opportunities that are now presenting themselves to us in technology and green energy, I think is really going to set us up um, for, for that bright future that we all want. And attracting workers into back into the workforce. 
Definitely. Yeah, that's a whole other topic that we could talk about for another hour. (laughs) (laughs) Because it has been difficult and COVID has uh, put a lot of people in a different uh, frame of mind, if you will. And uh, they call it the, what is it? The great, uh, the great great resignation, great great resignation down in the U.S. So it's a global phenomenon and no doubt we're seeing it here as well. Do you think we can attract people who have left the workforce back in? Yeah, I think there's an opportunity for that, for sure. I really do. I think, you know, like I said earlier, some of our systems, I think, right now might be creating barriers, too. Um, and if we really focus as a province and as a country in the policies that we're creating and ensuring that we're, we're you know, creating systems that, that maintain connections or facilitate connections between people who aren't working and jobs that are available, um, you know, I think that will go a long way. Um, and employers are already trying their best to do that, right? So we, we need, um, you know, our systems to step up and, 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 and do the same. Jacqueline Sullivan, a pleasure as always. I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks very much and congratulations. Thank you. And we'll be back on Monday. Monday is going to be a different kind of on target, of course, because it is the uh, the day for the Queen's funeral. So we'll be, we won't be bringing it to you live, but we will be bringing you uh, parts of the funeral during our on target on Monday. So stay tuned for that. And uh, thanks for listening and have a great weekend, everybody.